Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of Liberty and Prosperity, the highway to the this is Safety Wars. For Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. Wow, we're getting close to the end of the year, huh? How's everybody doing? It looks like it's going to be one of those nights where I'm thirsty. I don't know. If you're on the uh, video, you're going to see me drinking. But I assure you, it's only one. Lots gone on in the last 24 hours. A lot of exciting things going on there. So, uh, let's try this again. Forgive me there. I have to put a little disclaimer. Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories at least not most of the time enjoy the show okay great uh yeah i got a uh, complaint from someone you know people love to complain you didn't have your disclaimer on jim you didn't have that on you're gonna get into trouble okay great well if i'm gonna get into trouble it's probably gonna be because of you complaining but anyway i say that in jest okay uh, what's going on? I'm uh, checking out all the news stuff here. Here. Uh, pull up our usual news websites. Here we have... Do, do, do. Masks and social distancing return to China. To China. We knew that this was going to happen. Europe on alert. I tell you what, there are some states that are encouraging their citizens to go back, that's in the United States, to go back and uh, start doing all the masks, social distancing, things of that nature. I don't see that happening with companies yet, uh, unless you're in, like, the health field or something. Uh, But this is from the UK edition of The Sun. China has brought back masks and social distancing in a chilling echo of... Lockdown as they battle a mystery pneumonia outbreak four years on from COVID. Alarming footage has emerged of mask wearing crowds inside Chinese hospitals as fears of a new pandemic sweep the globe. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. 
Areas in the north of the country, such as Beijing and Liaoning, have been hit the hardest with reports emerging last week that hospitals are being overwhelmed with sick children. Pardon me. A common bacterial infection called Mycoplasma pneumoniae has circulated since May, but is now showing ground. No, is now showing ground glass opacity and lung scans, an indication of severe respiratory illness. Also known as white lung syndrome, many parents are deeply worried and are having to wait at least a day just for emergency care. But China continues to insist that flu and the usual winter bugs are to blame for the latest outbreak rather than a new virus and can cope with spikes in illnesses. Alrighty then. Uh... What's going on here in Europe with their reaction? Here. Okay. We just got an upgrade up uh, grade in internet access here and it's slow. Very frustrating. All right. So here we go in uh, this is from uh, the Express. Uh, .co.uk. Fresh epidemic fears as child pneumonia cases surge in Europe after a China outbreak. So this is essentially uh, we're seeing uh, seems like a pattern here. Hospitals in China have reportedly been overrun with pneumonia cases and as an uptake is recorded in the Netherlands. Cases of pneumonia in children are rising in Europe as the second country reports an uptick in the deadly respiratory disease. The Netherlands Institute for Health Services Research, Novell, has reported that 80 out of every 100,000 children in the country between the ages of 5 and 14 came down with pneumonia last week. So here we go again. Get, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm hearing a lot of this on the news, uh, the regular mainstream news, that we're, uh, uh, no, there is no, uh, and the president is quoted as saying, there is no threat to the supply chain. Nothing to see here, nothing to worry about. All along those lines, right? But, uh, and they're trying to reassure people and everything. I get it because you don't want to have people have a rush on, uh, no, rush on different things, right? On uh, uh, toilet paper, on everything else. Now, my question to you is this, and this is what the question has to be for everybody here. What? Now, now that we have this coming up, what are you, you know, how are you going to go out and prepare for the next, uh, the next thing here? What did you learn? And I t said to everybody when we started this podcast way back uh, in 2021, what, no, record your the lessons learned for posterity. I was thinking along the lines of, well, then we're not going to have this is going to resolve itself. Is going to be taken care of next generation or two or something like that. Nothing to really worry about. And uh, turns out here we are going into 2024 and more of this stuff just in time for the election, right? Just in time for the election uh, coming up. Yes, as I'm getting a little bit conspiratorial because as we know, there was some, uh, no, I, I, I don't want to dismiss it out of hand, but there was a little bit of a pandemic here. Uh, with this, where hearkening uh, uh, back to the immortal words of Rahm Emanuel, you need to take advantage of these things. 
right? You're going to be able to do things that you wouldn't normally do with this. And that's how I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. And no, I am not making hand motions in front of the camera. I'm just talking with my hands. This is the way I normally talk. Uh, but anyway, uh, what, what did you learn? This is what I learned. You got to look out for, again, starting with your family, starting with your community, your uh, sphere of influence, your friends and everything. Don't be concerned about them. If you have people at risk and they want you to wear a mask, wear the damn mask. Well, and we'll go into another program with that in the near future if this continues to accelerate uh, with this. Uh, no, and no, we'll get there. We survived already. Now, what I uh, came across, let's see if I have this here. Now, uh, one of the things that we do discuss here is something very uncomfortable for a lot of people here, and I understand it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to discuss this, and that is demography. Now, this is from the LA Times. Uh, the author is Max Kim. Uh, this was uh, yesterday. Korea's army of senior citizens are ready for battle. I don't remember the rifles being so heavy. Dressed in borrowed cam cam camouflage fatigues, they fumbled with their ammunition belts and K2 assault rifles. Some had white hair and a slow, shuffling gait. Their average age was 63, with the oldest being 75. It was the most unconventional batch of trainees that the 52nd Infantry Division's Sei Cho Reserve Forces Training Center had ever seen, and Lieutenant Colonel Huang Hian Suk received them with a strained smile, desperately hoping that none of them would get hurt. I could not sleep all night, Huang told one of them with a nervous laugh. Your enthusiasm worries me. His concern was met with good-natured chuckles for no reassurances. Excluding the two women in the group, most of these retirees or near-retirees had undergone South Korea's compulsory military service in their youth, but the decades of rust were showing. Now, going on here, do, do, do. but it, right, uh, they're totally go on and they discuss the, uh, the men and women here, but it also has, and it's about 500 people doing this, but uh, this, uh, but it also has more profound meaning, the uh, club that they have, right, and their group as a solution to the effects of. South Korea's dismal fertility rate, which has the lowest in the world, has spurred fears the military will soon struggle to fill its ranks. We talk about demography here and low birth rates. Now, I'm not going to go and get into this whole thing. No, abortion, pro-life, birth control, no birth control, blah, blah, blah. Whatever your position is, okay. That's your position. However, we have to deal with some of the facts here with this, all right? Uh, and that is demography. We're going to have demographic changes, which are going to necessitate uh, changes through, uh, through our economies and everything else. And I don't think that was really thought out to begin with, number one. And number two, uh, I don't think it's being thought out by a lot of people who are accepting some back room or back uh, basement in uh, Washington and here on Safety Wars. What's going to happen? Because when you start to lose key age groups in society, those spending money, you're going to have an economic, uh, an economy going back. Your GDP is not going to either uh, raise, right, uh, 
no, rise as quickly, number one. And number two is uh, you're not going to have the right people where you need them to be in the age range to take care of this. Remember, to take care of things. Remember, Social Security was uh, uh, based on a lot, right? Uh, a lot of retiree, a lot of people supporting one retiree. This way, not too many people put into the thing to support retirees. Now it's all screwed up with the population pyramid. I think I explained that right. Uh, but basically, uh, what uh, we're getting is is that there's not enough people paying into secure Social Security to support the system, and it's collapsing here. We used to get statements way back in the early 90s until we never got them any again more when things got really bad and saying that we're, you know, we're not going to be able to fund it. Uh, but anyway, I digress. What, uh, what, I, what we're coming down to here is this. The demographic shifts. Something else that's also impacting our demography are people, young people, 20s and 30s, and the fentanyl problem. Whole communities, right? And we I don't even think we've seen the effects of this long-lasting. Whole communities getting wiped out, whole age groups, over this thing. Not a good thing. So we're, again, what are we going to do about it? How are you preparing for it? How are you preparing financially for it? How are you preparing uh, your organization for this? Because I tell you what, we're, we're not a lot of the Gen Xers out there. So what are they having to do? Baby boomers are hanging on to their jobs to do managing. And people who would normally wait until maybe their 40s or late 30s to get certain upper-level positions, now it's gotten down. That's what I'm seeing in the organizations that I'm doing, where you have younger people with more responsibility, maybe not as much experience, life experiences, or anything else. That could be a problem. What are you doing about it? That, too, is part of safety. I uh, share with the story uh, a lot of times that this is uh, what, what we have to deal with, and I called this over 20 years ago, where I was working for an organization with a lot of uh, younger people in there supervising work, safety work. And uh, some of the old-timers, or now that we're old-timers, but people our age were like, hey, you know, now we're going to say early 30s, we noticed a change because a lot of the folks were not, uh, a lot of the folks had a different way about them, doing things, different experiences, some of them valuable, right? Some of them not applicable to the job at hand, but different experiences. And I explain it this way. When you were growing up, Child in the 70s, no, Gen Xers, 65 to 80, right? When we were growing up, what were, what were uh, we wanted to paint a room or we wanted to do something around the house. You're, mid, you're in a uh, you know, middle-income family uh, to, and lower. What, what happened? You wanted to paint your bedroom. You either had a parent, trusted adult, sibling that showed you how to paint, Right? And you went in there and you painted and you work on the house because a lot of people owned the houses then, uh, weren't renting, what have you. And, you know, you painted the house. And, you okay, they showed you how to paint. Showed you how to spackle, surface prep, and everything else, right? What happened was today's generation 
that's not necessarily their experience with that. They have experiences with, right? What do they have it with? Computers. Keyboards. Uh, well, different things. Coding, right? Where we're getting that in uh, uh, schools now. Totally different thing. These folks are a, much, a little bit more affluent. And guess what they did when their parents, they said to their parents, hey, I want to paint, I want my room painted. Parents are going to hire a contractor. That's what I was started seeing about 20 years ago. Or that, that didn't even, or you tell your landlord or your person, whoever you're renting from, hey, we need things done. You don't do things like that. And when I grew up, everybody wanted to cut grass. That's how you made extra money. Now, in the same community I grew up with, very few people cut their own grass. They hire a landscaper to go out there. They hire someone to cut the grass. They don't do it themselves. The children in the neighborhood don't do it for a whole host of reasons, safety reasons and some other stuff. So this is a different thing. How's, and that's a societal change. And how are your, how's your organization managing that? What I always say, and I had a conversation with a client today on this, and uh, 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 what basically happened was the client said, Jim, we like working with your group of people with you and your group of people. I said, well, I appreciate that, that, you know, we want to continue working with you. He says, no, you don't understand. We have other safety contractors out here, and they're, uh, what's their focus? Their focus is compliance. They're compliance-focused. Okay, well, that's all well and good to be compliance-focused. I get it, right? That's what we do. We are compliance-focused. He said, you try to work with people. I said, well, yeah, that's how we train people. We train our people to try to learn the job of the people that we're working with. And he says, well, how, how exactly do you folks do this? Now, why? I said, look, I'm not a carpenter. Not a carpenter at all. And what I do is I try to ask the carpenter here some questions on how they do their job. And I ask some really novice questions. I said, I went up to him. We had this one person on site. I said, look, I'm not a carpenter. I don't know a lot about what you do for a living. I know, yeah, you nail it, you do this and this. But let me ask you about the finer points of carpentry. Why are you using this? What kind of wood do you use? Blah, blah, blah. What do you look for? What do you try to do? Blah, blah. And now at this point, we have formed a learning team. Right, Fred Sutton? And you start to talk with the first. Hey, this is how you do it. Or, hey... Uh, this is how I would do. Why am I wrong on that? Or maybe that's a better way. And no, I came up through the environmental field. Okay, now I'm going to talk, hey, with the folks. Hey, you know, when we used to do this type of job, doing the cleaning, this is how we do it, did it. How are you guys doing this? Or blah, blah, blah. And you start to get a conversation going. You have a better conversation. That's how you correct these things. Start with better conversations. Start learning what the people are doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it and everything else, at this point, then you become a collaborator with these folks. You start to go out and you start to be a colleague with these folks. And guess what? Your compliance is going to be better. Why? Because you're not, they're not doing something because the safety guy tells them to do something. They're doing something because Jim asked them to do it. And then I say, now you built up a rapport with people. With that. And then... Guess what happens? Then now they start to say, hey, Jim, how do you do your job? 
What you know, what's involved in your job? Why are you doing it this way? Now they're more likely to ask you questions. And guess what? You're better. They're better. They work, they're going to work better safely. Maybe they don't agree with you, but maybe they come through some type of an understanding. And with these conversations and everything, people take pride in their work. Give them that opportunity to take pride in their work, and you're going to be a much better safety professional on that. I'm going to go to a brief uh, commercial break here, and we're going to be right back. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Okay, we're going to move to our regular uh, OSHA news. Uh, make it into some of the EPA news. We'll see what, how this goes. Uh, this is from a press release from the Department of Labor today. OSHA. OSHA. National Commission for the Certification of Crane Operators, NCCCO, Foundation Forum, and Alliance to Protect Crane Operators. Now, if we recall, uh, there was, especially in the New York area, we covered this story earlier this year, there's a lot of fraud with these crane operator certifications out there. So if you have a crane operator on site, you may behoove you to go out and... Double-check the certifications on uh, that person or persons uh, because uh, what happens is the uh, you, have, you have screwed up things that happen, really, with pe- people falsifying things uh, with this. So uh, U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA signed an agreement with the NC National Commission for the Certification of Crane Operators and the NCCCO, Foundation to protect workers who operate cranes better. The two-year agreement will provide certified crane operators with training and resources to reduce and prevent exposure to the four construction workplace issues that contribute to the majority of hazards in the industry. Falls caught in or between objects, machinery, struck by objects, and electrocution. So if you know, those are the OSHA focus four from construction. Workers who operate or work near cranes can face serious and potentially life-threatening hazards if they are not properly trained or protected, said Assistant Secretary of Labor uh, for Occupational Safety and Health, Doug Parker. Our alliance with these industry leaders focuses on training workers and working with employers to make safety and health a core value by implementing best industry practices to ensure workers' safety. Alliance participants will use data and review trends and the incident information to develop safety alerts for employers, crane operators, and others working around cranes. They will also address safety issues near the crane load, provide updates on OSHA's load handling regulation, and enforce including certification and evaluation requirements. Participants will also... Uh, assist employers and operators in complying with OSHA regulations and develop relationships between the CCO test sites and 
Hold on. Uh, do, do, do. Bear with me here. I am not sure whether I am broadcasting here. All right. Boom. All right. Uh, going on. Right. But basically, that's what's going on there. Partnerships here. I'm going to go. We're getting a whole bunch of stuff here. People saying you're not on. Where are you? Blah, blah, blah. Let me see what's going on here with the live stream. Uh, I'm going to go to. Have you this. listened or watched uh, the Safety War Show? It does stream live on, on the radio and um, on the streamer emers that we have. So if you have not taken a listen to Jim Bozel and what the hell he's doing every evening with uh, Safety Wars, I would, I would strongly encourage you to, um, to take a view or take a listen, um, whichever option is available for you, and take a listen to what the hell he has going on. Uh, it's definitely, it will take some deep dives and some information that you might be interested in. In a world where danger lurks in every corner, one man stands as a beacon of hope. Jim Polzel, a veteran safety expert with over three decades of experience, now bringing his knowledge to you with Safety Wars. Engaging, informative, and always relevant, that's Safety Wars. Join a safety revolution with Safety Wars, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. Okay, and... OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy! Okay, so we are on. Okay. So uh, that was uh, George texting me. I can't hear you. Well, I can hear me. So uh, we'll go with that. Sorry, guys. This is what it is. Live radio and you don't have an engineer. U.S. Department of Labor, major construction incorporated to promote safety during construction of Clayton County's Forest Park Middle School. Partnership will assist development and use of best practices to protect workers. U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA. Uh, this is the participants. Okay. And Department's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, Major Construction Incorporated, signed a strategic partnership to promote safety and health practices to help in preventing worker injuries, reducing exposure to hazards during construction of the Forest Park Middle School in Clayton County, Georgia. I tell you what, uh, this must be one hell of a big uh, a job to, for this to make national uh, coverage here on, uh, on the DOL website. And uh, what are they doing? Uh, now, this is, again, what we could uh, talk about here. Now, now you're, you can learn a little bit about reading this stuff. And what am I going to point out? If they're putting it in a press release, that they're going to be working on this stuff with the company, that's probably a good idea that other companies in the area, and maybe nationally, depending on what industry it is, if it's a focused in industry, one of their focuses, right, that this is probably what OSHA is going to be looking for. I'm just going to put it out there, right? So 
what are they doing? They're developing and implementing safety and health programs to provide safety and health training to employees, employers, and supervisors to reduce the number of injuries and illnesses, increase safety and health training, reduce the overexposure of workers to health and safety hazards, and increase the number of employers uh, with comprehensive safety and health management systems. Participants will focus on using PPE. Again, this is their priority, so pay attention. PPE. That's one of the top 10 most cited OSHA violations. Preventing a heat illness. There's a focus on heat illness the last couple of years. Recognize and avoiding hazards related to falls. Okay. Struck by and caught in between. That's two. Electrical equipment safety. Right. So you have two of the uh, focus four there. Uh, the, the falls struck by. No, I'm sorry. You got them all. Four of them. Right, falls struck by and caught a train and using equipment, electrical equipment safety. You have electrocutions. All right, so those are the focus for heat illness for PPE, preventing and uh, protecting against fire, using hand and power tools safely, and avoiding hazards related to silica and noise exposure. Now, uh, this is actually a pretty Nice sized building here, 212,000 square foot building and 16,000 square foot gym, as well as a football field and track and field complex. So this is a huge thing. This is, uh, sounds like my uh, son's middle school. I mean, that middle school, it feeds like six or seven elementary schools into a middle school and then divides them up into two high schools. So it's like, I mean, that middle school in my town is like bigger than most high schools. So anyway. What do we have here, right? We, so let's talk about this a little bit. We understand the focus for heat illness. We've mentioned that from time immemorial, PPE. How about fire? Now, I had uh, recently, fairly recently, I call it the online training, online outreach training and New York DOB strike again. I mean, we should have that as a, uh, as a segment here. So uh, I'm on a project north of New York City, and uh, they said, "Oh, well, yeah, we're all Department of Buildings trained, Jim. We're we're good. We got through a 30-hour course." And then it turns out that you know you could, uh, something happens, you do a little investigating, and uh, they likely had it online and paid someone else to do it, or they bought the certificates on the street, and you know that's been. You, know, you can read that in the news all the time, right around here and stuff. I mean, you know, that's, that was committing a felony. I had people call, asking me to do that all the time. I don't take the bait. But anyway, I was just handing out OSHA cards. But uh, essentially, uh, we had a situation, and a guy is uh, going to refuel a trash pump. Trash pump runs on gasoline, and they call it trash pump because it's like a, I believe, a two- or three-inch hose, depending on the configuration, uh, uh, there, and it's, you know, for pumping out big basins and things of that nature. Anyway, what we, uh, and, and I said, I said, dude, what are you doing here? It's running. Stop. What? I, I refill it all the time when you're not here. Uh, well, turn it off. Don't refill running equipment. Bad idea. Oh, come on. And then I, I'm looking, and out of the corner of the eye, I said, that gas can I said, well, I said, let me see that gas. Said, what, Jim? It's a metal gas can, spring-loaded. It's okay. I look in it, and it's missing. What's it missing? The flash arrestor. 
meaning the little screen on there. And this is a no, uh, presumably of you no know, regular uh, right meet social requirements and everything else with that. And I said, well, with that can. And I said, dude, you can't use that. He said, well, what do you mean you can't use it? It's a uh, so you don't have a flash arrest or a flash what? What is, now you're talking crazy, Jim? That's a flash uh, suppressor. What are you talking about? I said, dude, you got that little screen on there. You know what that's for? That's for filtering the fuel. I said, okay, first of all, if your fuel, if your dispenser is putting out big, huge particles with that thing, you got bigger issues than this, right? You have other issues. I said, this is what happens. You're fueling it. You're not supposed to refuel things with it on. And you start fueling it. And no, it catches fire. The gasoline catches fire, goes back into the container, and now you have a big problem, right? That flash suppressor on there, flash arrestor, prevents everything from going back into the container. Oh, really? Nobody ever told me that. I said, well, it was supposed to be in, like, your 30-hour outreach course. Oh, I took it online. Okay, so I make a couple of phone calls. Hey, did you guys take this course here from people? Like, oh, yeah, we took that, and I'm not going to mention the name of the uh, training provider. And uh, th- did they mention anything about flash suppressors or flame arrests or whatever you want to call them? Different people, different people call them different things. No, never heard of it. Okay, thank you very much. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is what part of the problem is. Uh, and then they half believe you. And I said, I did a little bit of research. They have that on cars also now. Uh, it's not like back in the 70s and you see these gangster movies where someone throws a, uh, a rag in the gas tank and they light it on fire and the car blows up. That, you know, they, you know they, don't, they have that in there to prevent that from happening. But anyway, I digress. What's the moral of the story? The moral of the freaking story is this. If you can, get all of the training in person. And if you really want, give us a call here, 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywords.com, and I'll hook you up with a course. I go all over the place. I'm going down uh, 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 on the road next week giving training. So, U.S. Department of Labor renews a regional program on a high-level workplace noise to prevent mid-Atlantic workers from permanent hearing loss. Here's another one here. Uh, you know, uh, people, what the freaking, oh, I don't, I'm going to wear my noise-canceling headphones and that's going to be fine. You know they're not rated for anything. Oh, no, no, but that's okay. I'll wear my, uh, I'm going to cover up one noise with another noise. And before you know it, they're delivering like 100 and the equivalent of 110 decibels. I mean, you're hearing, you know, if your workplace allows people to hear uh, music, they're you know they're not on uh, the Safety FM network. Listen to all of our great shows here. They're listening to all different kinds of stuff in there. Some of it, you know, I'm not even allowed to discuss on the radio because I'm going to get thrown off, right? Sort of thing, right? By the censors. But uh, U.S. Department of Labor announced today that it has renewed a regional emphasis program to focus inspections on three mid-Atlantic states and the District of Columbia on industries with high, lo- high levels of workplace noise, which can contribute to worker hearing loss. Common workplace health concern, hearing loss, can be permanent and debilitating. In fact, potential hearing loss is a hazard for about 22 million U.S. workers, according to NIOSH. 
In 2021, the Bureau of Labor Statistics found about uh, 12,000 workers suffered work-related hearing loss, 9,700 of them being workers employed in the manufacturing industry. Noise control is the first line of prevention against permanent work-related hearing loss. By reducing noise levels even by a few decibels, employers can better protect employees, improve communication, and stop excessive noise from distracting workers. So it's really important here. You're hearing. Extremely important. You don't want to lose it. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know what to say here. Uh, my kids at home, I can't control them what goes on in school because they have to wear headphones. But at home, they do not wear headphones. They do not even wear earbuds. They will not wear headphones. They will not do anything like that because I don't, uh, they know that, not in front of me. The other thing is this. This time of year, you got those bell ringers out certain, outside certain places. And uh, the uh, I have a, one of the regional headquarters for that organization is in my town. And a lot of people in our neighborhood work there. Great organization. They're out there ringing those bells. And I uh, made a joke with this person about that. You know, I'm going to, you know, we should have you know, uh, earplugs for bell ringer campaign. And she said, oh, no, no, Jim, no joke. They actually have a hearing conservation program with those bell ringers. I said, yeah, I said, no, I go there with the thing with the software on the smartphone. And I, you know, measured it. And it's like hot, loud. And yeah, they're not allowed. They have to, when they ring those bells, they got to be down around their side. They can't ring their the bells up here because of hearing damage. I said, oh, wow. They have to use approved bells and everything. So uh, it's, uh, you know, you can't be out there with like my father's camel bells, right? That he used to have on the back of a door. Uh, but anyway, I'm back in the uh, front door and you open up the front door and you get blasted by camel bells, right? Uh, Loud and obnoxious. Federal court orders Detroit business owner imprisoned until she complies with the U.S. Department of Labor subpoena to provide documents. A federal court order has ordered the owner of a Michigan senior home care services company be imprisoned if she continues to ignore a March 2023 federal order to provide the U.S. Department of Labor investigators with time, pay, and pay records, despite being in contempt of court since September 27, 2023, and assessed uh, $250 for each day she refused to comply. Uh, da, 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 da. But basically, she is, I, I don't know, they, they feel that, I, no, and I got this uh, recently too from another client, a new client, uh, heard us on this show. Uh, hey, Jim, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's OSHA. It's the Department of Labor. What are they going to do to you? Well, they're going to do a lot to you if you don't comply to them. It's, they are federal officers, federal agents. You can, I mean, you have the same rights as dealing with a police officer, but you also have the same responsibilities. You cannot lie to a police officer. You cannot lie to OSHA. Right? cannot lie to these people. You cannot lie to a federal agency. It's a really bad thing. And when they ask you for documents, produce the documents. Uh, you know, I'm not saying don't go, just give it everything. Get an attorney, get a qualified person that's used to dealing with regulatory agencies to deal with regulatory agencies. Because if you don't, right, again, you have one opportunity to go through this stuff. You don't want to be screwing up things, right? Get a qualified person in there. 
Here we have a... Uh, uh, story from uh, Milan, Illinois. I guess I-L-L. Federal investigator regulators have opened up an investigation to death at Deer Parts Distribution Center in Milan. Tony LeClaire, 55, of Davenport, was injured on October 20th in circumstances that are unclear. OSHA opened an investigation into the incident five days later. LeClaire died at an Iowa City hospital 18 days after being injured. So, uh, basically, this is what goes on. This is my experience, and, you know, they got fined uh, and everything else in the past and with that. Okay, now, you're going to say, okay, how... Let's unravel what's being said here. Now, you have certain... Uh, you have certain requirements under the law for notifications for OSHA. If you have a person spend overnight in a hospital or, or they are, and I'm going to say this, legally admitted into the hospital, you got to make a phone call into OSHA within 24 hours. Bottom line, that's the way it is. Now... What happens is, often, you make the call into OSHA, they come in, and in my experience, right, and other people have other experiences, my experience is within two to three days, they're there. So I have literally sat, uh, you know, uh, in clients' offices, knowing OSHA is going to show up, and I've literally sat there for like two or three days waiting for them to show up, and then they show up, manage the situation that happens i was speaking to an attorney uh, not too long ago at the assp event right up the corner from me here and uh they had uh said the same thing where they know osha's coming they sit uh somebody out there to meet osha right uh after two or three days that's the way it is so this is what happened here it says osha opened an investigation of the incident five days later well uh, fatality was 18 days after the things they came in five days afterwards. Okay, that's actually to be expected with that. So you got to play it safe. So what do you do? You give a company like mine, and we have eight, 17 other uh, Safety FM hosts here. Give us a call. 845-269-5772 for us here. And we'll, uh, we'll arrange someone to be there, meet with OSHA with you uh, on that. And... Uh, that's basically it. Uh, with that, that's what the idea is. With that, uh, again, they're going to be doing things uh, with that, doing an investigation. When they come, if they really results, we'll know. Now, here we have a uh, uh, report from ProPublica. Uh, many deaths on small dairy farms are not investigated. ProPublica investigated OSHA's practices. Some consistencies found in what OSHA calls Temporary Labor Camps in Wisconsin. And this is a story by Mallory Cheng from WPR.org, Wisconsin Public Radio. So uh, since 2009, there have been at least 17 deaths among workers on Wisconsin's dairy farms. Nearly half of those were not investigated by OSHA. ProPublica reporter Melissa Sanchez has been reporting on safety in Wisconsin's daily dairy industry. So uh, this is from... All things considered uh, with this. And let's see what Melissa Sanchez says. Uh, and uh, to start, let's look at a recent case. And this is for the host. 
uh, in March 2023, where a person drowned after he drove a skid steer into a 14-foot deep pond filled with Gluvno on a on the dairy farm where he worked. While he was there after this tragedy, apparently no OSHA investigation. OSHA uh, has been around, well, this is Melissa Sanchez, has been around since the 1970s, but basically right when it started, Congress put special exemption into place that exempts small farms from inspections and so far and so farms with fewer than 11 workers and farms that don't have what's called a temporary labor camp do not get inspected by osha so in this case an ocean inspector went out the morning after florencino died florencio died and turned around and left after less than an hour after discovering the farm only had seven or eight workers so that's generally what happens on small farms we looked into this because of the temporary labor camp issue in housing. A little bit of trivia on that. Right? Exemptions on small farms. Exemptions for families. I mean, in York, Pennsylvania last year, a whole family got wiped out on a farm in two, I think, two or three incidents on, out there. Small, again, not a, and uh, what I find is often people that work in small companies that might meet, hit some type of exemption or something like this, where they go to larger companies, then they have a problem because they want to run these larger companies like smaller companies. You can't do that. Uh, uh, you can't do that because there are certain things. So, for example, that you have to do. For example, safety data sheets. Got to have safety data sheets and proper labeling. But they feel that, well, we didn't have that back on the farm, so therefore we don't have to do it with a 100-person organization or a 50-person uh, project. And this is what happens with uh, when they have policies like this. Uh, probably should be, uh, I don't know, for me, they change it, but it's not me running the show. But I can if you're, so if you run the, uh, if you're president out there, new president, old president, hey, I'm available. Uh, and there are other people on this network available also that you know of. I know that you know of, right? Uh, going on. OSHA finds Suakima Company 180,000 for repeated fall protection violations. I sue, I wear a sue, sue, oh, this is what we covered this yesterday. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Different point of view here. Uh, so uh, basically a company, uh, I'm not going to mention the name of the company. Uh, no, they uh, attended a, uh, uh, a training session on fall hazards. OSHA went out to their job site and found all different types of hazards, sent them a fine for 180 grand proposed. This is a local story here. New Jersey construction company pleads guilty to violations that led to a worker's death. This is from almost my hometown here. A construction company based in Old Bridge, New Jersey, has pleaded guilty of violating OSHA standards leading to the death of one of its employees. The plea by a certain roofing company was entered into entered by the company's owner uh, Monday before U.S. Magistrate Judge Jose R. Almonte in Newark Federal Court. Charges stem from an incident in 2019 when a roofing employee including, uh, right, uh, we're replacing Holmes' roof in Halidon, 
New Jersey. That's local to me right here. Despite working at a height exceeding 20 feet, the employees lack personal fall, fall protection equipment, such as safety harnesses, lanyards tied off ropes, guardrails, or nets. No worker had, and this is actually a pretty well-written story here, no worker had received training on fall protection. One of his, one of the employees fell 22 feet, sustaining federal head, uh, fatal head injuries, and the person had nothing. So, uh, the court, uh, if the court accepts a plea agreement, Zona will face five years probation and be required, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to mention the name of the company, and be required to pay 75000 restitution. The company must also implement comprehensive training procedures for all employees and enhance safety provisions on future projects. The sentencing is scheduled for March of next year. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And there, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh... Uh, I, you know, I, no, I, I don't really know what to say on here other than uh, what I'm annoyed about is, no, there's the company playing legal. Okay, great. The company is a person, according to the Supreme Court. Okay, I get it, all right? And it's also in the law. However, what I'm going to say is this, all right? The persons have to be held responsible at this point. Who's the competent person? Why isn't a competent person held responsible? New Jersey, perhaps they need to do what New York does with that and have the uh, competent person be responsible for this. I mean, uh, uh, for this stuff, criminally, uh, not only the company and uh, also the owners of the company. I mean, the, the argument is, is why didn't they stop the workers from doing that, uh, from doing this? Uh, here we have a Connecticut... Uh, CFO indicted, and this is all from the realdeal.com, that past story and this one we're going here now. Connecticut CFO indicted for allegedly $890,000 investment from a construction company. Uh, the former CFO of a Milford base in Deco, North America, Milford base in Deco, North America, is facing federal charges for allegedly embezzling $890,000 from the company, a federal grand jury in New Haven indicted the mere person on three counts of wire fraud, according to the Hartford Business Journal. The person residing was pleaded not guilty during recent court in uh, appearance and uh, no, uh, and is free on five hundred thousand dollars bond. And uh, I don't know. Well, you gotta you gotta love it. So incredible. All right, what else we got here? This is uh, from... Doo -doo -doo. This is uh, from Canada. One man is said after suffering a significant fall at a condo building construction site in uh, uh, Chestermere over the weekend. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Going on. The worker, an adult male, was taken by ground ambulance in serious potential life-threatening condition to a Calgary hospital. The severity of his injuries had officials concerning airlifting the man, right? And uh, but a, an air ambulance was not available. Now, this is what the importance of an emergency action plan is. You're going to say, "Well, why is that? A, a, what, what difference does that make?" Okay. You got, it's left of the bang versus right of the bang thinking, right? 
Left of the Bang, you have to be prepared for everything you're going to try. That's where you apply the hierarchy of controls. That's where you apply everything really important there on the left of the bang, right, to prevent an accident. Once you get the bang and then the right of the bang, you've got to worry about all the other stuff. Now, you're going to, now, safety is what? Capacity and resilience. You add capacity, what you could do, and resilience, how you adapt to things. Now you have safety. Now, what it comes down to is this. Uh, safety, what, with emergency action plans, you have to know what this is what we have to do if someone gets hurt. Now, you have to, right, this is what happens and everything else. You have to understand what the complications are if someone falls. What are you going to do? If your nearest hospital is a half an hour away, you're pretty much that worker is screwed. What's the response time? All of these things I mentioned because they reinforce the importance of preventing an accident. How many times do I go out to a job, right, and you're in the middle of nowhere? Well, what's the what are you gonna do? I'm gonna call nine one one. I say, you know, the response time for this area is twenty five minutes. You have somebody dangling up there, and, uh, and you know, how are you going to get them down? Do you have a lift? Do you have this? Do you have a, oh, I, I don't know. All this stuff has got to be thought about uh, prior to that, and, uh, you know. Okay, let's see here. Uh, is there anything else here I got? Okay, that's what we're going on here. Were there anything else? Here, oh, here we go. This is from Bloomberg. North Korea claims spy satellite took photos of the White House. Uh, North Korea claimed its first spy satellite put into space, which was launched into orbit last week, has taken photos of the White House, uh, Pentagon, and nearby U.S. naval stations. Uh, the prominent U.S. sites uh, add to a list of areas. North Korea claims to have photographed using its reconnaissance probe that was launched on November 21st, and they have a whole big long list here. Again, uh, I don't know. What are we doing here with this, right? And Okay, that's what we got. Uh, we're going to go and... Oh, here's the last one. Sunday. Last Sunday, did you realize... That it was the uh, 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 the Transportation Security Administration announced uh, that it set an agency-wide record for the busiest air travel day ever last Sunday, right for the Thanksgiving holiday. Pretty impressive on that. Uh, so, okay, that is. Let's do a. We're gonna close out the show here with our usual. Uh, with our usual thing, and this worked before. Let's see if it'll work again. There, hold on. Do 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 sound. Okay. okay.
The views and opinions podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. We're going to be playing the national anthem in honor of Rosalind Carter, who was, uh, her funeral was today. Uh, Rest in peace. 